tonight's going to be more like a training than a sermon. And it's a fun little exercise. We're going to talk to you about what is the 411. What's the deal? What's the 411? First thing you need to do is take your piece of paper and fold it in half, kind of like a taco. Don't do it long ways like a hot dog. Do it, do it like a, the width ways, like a taco, okay? Now, if you don't have a pen, that's fine. You can listen along. But if you do have one, you start in the first, on the first page and put just on the top right-hand side, write a number one for page one. Then you open it, top left hand, write a number two for the page two. Then on the other side, number three for page three. And on the back, number four for page four. Now we have a booklet. <laughs> now you got yourself a booklet. All right. Now, on the first page, on the top in the middle, I want, it doesn't matter exactly where, just write who. W-H-O question mark. Who. I messed up. <laughs> this is going to kill some of y'all. I know y'all can't stand this. If, if you're OCD, I apologize. Scratch out who. I just totally messed up the whole thing. Write why. Who's on the next page? Why? <laughs> Who's on second? <laughs> it's like, is this a Saturday Night Live skit? What's going on here? Yeah, that's right. W-H-Y. Next page, write who. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, but write who now, okay? No. All right, next page, page three, write what. All right, anybody want to guess number four? When. But you were close. <laughs> That's going to be W-H-E-N. Depends on where you're from. <laughs> All right. When. All right. So you got why, who, what, when. W-H-E-N. All right. We're going to talk about the 411. I'm not going to surprise you probably, but um, for the why, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. You can write that if you'd like beside it. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28. Some of our favorite verses. Okay. I'm going to read just verses 18 through 20. Remember the context. Jesus has died on the cross. He had already told His disciples to expect to see Him again. He has risen from the grave. They have seen Him. And now they've been gathered. And He's going to give them a command. 
that's going to be passed down throughout the ages and finds itself on the corner of Bihelia and Mackinville Road in Hernando, Mississippi. All right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority. Y'all say all authority for me. In heaven and on earth, just to clarify, has been given to me. Go. Heard that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Alright? So now, you got under on page 1, I want you to write a number 1, and I want you to write beside it, just right here, just like you're going to make a list. Write a number 1 and write authority. Okay? So we're going to make a list under that. Authority. Jesus says that He has all authority. Do you believe that? All authority in heaven and on earth. No more authority than that. Here's my question for you. Write it beside authority. Does Jesus have all authority in your life? Write that down. Does Jesus have all authority? You can, see, you can write in my life. Does Jesus have all authority in my life? You can ask it this way. Are there any areas of your life that you have not surrendered completely to Jesus' authority? It just got real, real fast, didn't it? All authority means that He is above all things. And when we say, you are my Lord, that means we're saying, you have all authority over me. And it's an oxymoron to say, no Lord. It's an oxymoron to say no Lord. No. You're Lord, but no. We don't do that. We say yes, Lord, right? Does Jesus have all authority in my life? And it's quite possible that by His goodness and in His grace and with His patience and His kindness that, that God has put some things on your mind right now. Maybe there's some things that we have held back. This would be a great time just to say yes, Lord. Yes. I surrender that. Number two, right under authority, write the word go. Jesus said that all authority has been given to me, and then he tells us what to do. He said, go. So your question to write beside go is Are you willing to go tell others about Jesus? Are you willing to go? Tell others about Jesus. He said, based on the fact that I have all authority, I'm going to tell you what to do. Go and make disciples. A part of that making disciples is telling them the gospel about Jesus. Okay, number three. Make disciples is what you write. Make disciples. 
So the question is, are you willing to make disciples? Are you willing to make disciples? This is a little exercise for us to chew on. All authority, go therefore and make disciples. Number four, under that, right? All nations. All nations. Beside that, right, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go to anybody, anywhere? Are you willing to go to anybody, anywhere? You could ask this. Is there anywhere that you're not willing to go? Is there anyone that you're not willing to interact with or talk to about these things? Are you willing? We could ask ourselves, are we holding anything back? Alright? This one's going to get you. Next one is, write the word baptize. Baptize. You ready for this one? Are you willing to baptize others? Are you willing to baptize others? All authority. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do what? Number six. Teach others to obey. Teach them to obey. Alright? Teach others to obey. When we see people come to Christ, part of the Great Commission isn't just to go to all these random places and make converts, but it is to walk alongside of them and to make disciples and to teach them the things that Christ has taught us. So the Bible doesn't say just teach them for knowledge's sake, but teach them to obey. That's a huge, huge word. To observe, teach them to obey. So, the, the question beside that is, are you willing? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make disciples and are you willing to teach them to obey? Are you willing? Last thing. It's the best part. We're running out of room. Maybe you can figure out what's in this blank. Jesus is with you. Right? Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He said, And behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. So here's your question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is with you? Do you believe this? Right? Do you believe this? We're doing a lot of writing tonight, aren't we? The good news is, when we finish, you're going to have your own training manual. You'll be ready to go teach other people. Alright? So, we walk through that passage, pulling out some key phrases, asking some pertinent questions, searching our hearts, asking God to help us, maybe even convict us of places that we need to surrender more, right? And if we were honest tonight, I bet you that some of us would have areas in our life that we don't fully have surrendered. Maybe there's some places or some people that we really wouldn't be willing to talk to. Maybe we're afraid to talk to certain types of people. Maybe we just don't like certain types of people. I was visiting with the family the other day. And we were talking about missions and, and serving the Lord. And, and they got to talking about all the Muslims that are taking over our country. You know what? You know what Muslims need? They need Jesus. And you know who died on the cross to save them from their sin? Our Savior. So we need to be praying for them. We need to be intentionally engaging them. Can you imagine? You know what a burqa is? A burqa? The head covering, the whole garb, and the lady just has just a little bit of her eyes. Can you imagine going up to a lady like that and saying, Jesus loves you? What's under her, her outfit? I don't know. Sometimes we allow fear to keep us from obeying Christ. What if the Lord prodded your heart to go talk to her? What if nobody in this country has ever welcomed her and loved on her in the name of Christ? What if you were in a different country and you spoke a different language and you couldn't communicate and everybody looked at you as that outsider that's trying to indoctrinate their people? And what if somebody came and welcomed you into their home and gave you a drink of water and listened to what you had to say and said, you're different, Nobody understands you? Welcome. Wouldn't that be nice? All right, so let's turn the page. Um, I want you to do something for me later on. I want you to go back through these questions and I want you to ask God and I want you to answer them honestly before God and I want you to, I want you to answer yes or no beside each one of these questions and, and ask God to help you search your heart. And if I can help you, if, if, you would love to, if you'd like to email me or, or have a cup of coffee, I would love to sit down with you. Maybe you have some concerns about some of these questions. Maybe they're too direct. I would be very happy to sit down with more time and talk through them and look at the Scriptures together. So now we're on the second page. The question is who? I'm going to tell you a real fast story. We don't have time to dig in. But in Mark, you can write down if you'd like... Um, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you the story, and it probably sounds very familiar to you. Um, Jesus was with His disciples, 
They ran into a pretty interesting fellow. We call him the demoniac or legion. And this man was uncontrollable. The people would chain him up and he'd break the chains. They found him in the tombs and he'd been out there and he'd stripped his clothes off and he'd been wounding his body, hurting himself, damaging his flesh. Jesus cast the demons out. And the townspeople, remember the story? He cast them into the herd of pigs and the herdsmen ran back to the town scared to death and they told everybody what had happened and they all came out to see what was happening. Do you remember how they found the man? What was he doing? Feet. I can't even imagine how much peace that man felt in that moment. The freedom, the release, the joy. Being released from the bondage that Jesus had delivered him from. Well, Jesus gets back in the boat with his disciples, and this man begs Jesus to let him go with him. Verse 18 says, As he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him, talking about Jesus, that he might be with him. And listen to this. Verse 19, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. The question is, who do we tell? This man had a testimony. He had a story. And there were people that knew who he was. And Jesus said, go back to them and tell them. Go back to them and tell them. So, I want to give you just a, a couple things to think through um, when we think about who. You can write this question at the top. Who should I share with? Should I share with? Who did Jesus tell the man to share with? Everyone. Who ended up hearing his story? It says he went around and began to proclaim in the whole Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. He didn't just go to his friends, I don't think. I think he went to everybody. And everybody's like, man, is this the same guy that we used to see break chains? Is this the same guy that used to run around naked? What in the world has God done for him? Now, that might not be our testimony. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but he had relationships, right, with people that needed to hear. You and I do as well. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to write, just start and listen, one, and then under one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And I want you to write, Ten, ten blanks. We're not going to do it right now. 
But I want you to ask you to prayerfully fill in those ten blanks with names of people that you know that need to hear what Jesus has done for you. Now, we have a lot of people that call themselves Christians. And I'm not saying be judgmental of other people. But I would ask you to evaluate fruit because I don't, I don't want to talk people out of their salvation by any means. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you can completely. But I definitely don't want to sit back while I'm concerned about the fruit I see in somebody's life and just let them happily drift into eternity with never being confronted, have they truly surrendered to Christ? So what I'm saying is, you might say, well, I really don't interact with a lot of people outside the church. We've got family members. We've got neighbors. Shopkeepers, hairdressers, bank tellers. It might be church members that you're concerned about that need to hear a fresh testimony of Jesus' power in your life. I want to ask you just to think about, now again, if, if by all means, write them down now if God puts somebody on your heart. Could be a grandparent, could be a grandchild, could be an aunt or a cousin, might be a co-worker. But if we slow down enough, I feel like if we prayerfully ask God, who do I know that I need to share about Christ with? I feel like God can help us think through 10 people. And here's something else. There might not be 10 people that you interact with on a regular basis. So at that point, we might need to say, how can I be more intentional to interact with those people? How can I be more intentional and prayerful about my days on this earth? Okay? Now here's something cool. When you come up with those ten people, I want you to draw, after you write their name, draw a little arrow beside them. If you know them enough, you can think about people that they know that need to hear the gospel too. Right? So you got the people you need to share with, and then when they come to Christ, the people that they can share with and pray for those people too. So if I lead, say, a friend of mine to Christ, and I'm thinking, well... His wife needs to hear the gospel. His kids need to hear the gospel. His neighbor needs to hear the gospel. You can start praying for those people as well. Praying expectantly for God to move. Okay? We'll leave it with relationships for now. That's who I want you to really be most intentional with is the relationships that God's given you. But I also want to encourage you, wake up in the morning Spend some time with the Lord. Think about His goodness in your life. Think about how good the gospel is and how desperate we are, even as His children, even as Christians, those who have been saved, how desperate we are for the gospel on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And pray and ask God, Lord, help me to think today. Help me to live today with a kingdom focus, with eternal goggles, Help me look 
through a lens that sees souls with eternal destinations. And so when we go through our day on a daily basis, God, help me to be intentional with the breath that you have given me, with the interactions that I have. And if I, every now and then, you'll lay down at night and you'll think, man, I missed a great opportunity today to transmit, transition that conversation into a spiritual conversation. And you say, Lord, Please help me to be more intentional tomorrow. Please help me to catch that a little bit sooner tomorrow. And the goal is for us to be living daily, whether it's a customer that comes to our business or whether it's a, a, a cash, somebody working the cash register that we say just flippantly like we always do, good morning, how are you doing today? And they say, man, it's been a rough morning. And instead of just saying, well, I hope it gets better and keep it on moving, we think, I could pray for that person right now and see what God does. You see the difference of just being intentional, listening, looking for those opportunities. I got a friend, I'm convinced, my buddy Forrest, every single time he talks to somebody, he is just looking for that inroad. Just, just looking. I mean, just ready. The other day we were going, he was picking up some patio furniture. I just called him to see what he was up to. And he said, man, I'm about to go get my trailer. I said, bro, I got a trailer hooked up on the back of my truck. He said, well, let's go. So we go and we're loading up this furniture. And the person that we're getting it from says, so how do y'all know each other? And Four said, that's it right there. He said, man, we're old buddies. And we used to do all kind of crazy stuff together. But now Trey's a pastor and he told me about Jesus. And man, we're followers. Of, and he's just ready. And then he keeps trying to pass it off to me. And I'm like, no, I want to see what you do with it. And it get, life isn't dull like that. It's fun. But you know what we have to believe? We have to believe that God has given us the gift of an eternal reality. The gospel is real. And all the people that are just going through life, man, think about the cycle, the mundaneness of life that people are waking up and going to work and coming home and helping their kids with schoolwork and feeding the kids and bathing them and putting them to bed. And they're waking up tired every day of the week. They're more tired than they were the day before. And they're going through that motion. They're clicking the garage door open. They're driving the kids to school. They're going to work. They're coming home tired. They're going to bed tired. They're getting up tired and they don't have the gospel. They think that their reality is what's real, but we know what is real. God has gifted us with a special revelation of Himself. He has showed us what is real. And all those things are fine, but it's not the ultimate reality. We are eternal beings created to know an eternal God, created to have joy unspeakable that doesn't fade. Even when we're exhausted, we can have joy. And even when we're tired, we can have strength. And we have purpose that is so much more than a paycheck. We have an eternal destination that is so good and rich and it's waiting on us. And we have the privilege to bring other people to heaven with us. We have to believe that. We have to live like that's real so that we're not scared of what people are going to think about us when we're the fanatic or the weirdo that talks about Jesus. We let people, what we think they're going to think, keep us from talking about eternal things. You know, are you following me? Am I the only one? They're going to think I'm a fruit loop if I start talking about Jesus because I know they don't believe what I'm about to tell them. How do I know? Am I God? All I know is that God said, go preach the gospel. He put it on my heart. 
Why shouldn't I believe that they would be receptive? But we're so quick to back out. We have to believe the reality so that we will be intentional. So that when we... Lord has been working in my heart, reviving me. I got to preach a couple weeks ago about abiding in Christ. And man, God was all over me that I've been working out of my own strength for way too long. And it wears you down. And man, I just just said, God, I need to carve out some time to be with you. And I desire not to jump through hoops, not to check off reading lists, but to just meet with you and and to be abiding with you and to be used by you. I want you to bear fruit through me. I don't want to do it for you. I want you to do it through me. And you know what he's been doing? He's been giving me opportunities. I don't have to force it. I was sitting next to a man on a shuttle riding to the airport from a rental car place. The man sat next to me and I was about to start talking to him and he started talking to me, telling me about his son, how he'd been to court, how he's dealing with depression, how he's dealing with drugs. And this guy was talking about how he was just struggling. And, I, and he's like, man, I'm so sorry just to unload this on you. You don't even know me. And I said, man, I am so glad that you are telling me these things. And I got to talk to him and told him about my testimony and about God's goodness. And I was like, man, I'm going to pray for you. I gave you my card. I was like, man, God put you next to a pastor because you needed to talk. And I want to hear it. God's just pouring out opportunities. And it's not because I'm super spiritual. I promise you I'm not. I fail on a daily basis. I chicken out all the time. But I do believe it. And I want to live like that's what's real. I don't want to be sidetracked by the temporal busyness. we got this crazy busy cycle over here in America, and it's just running us ragged, keeping us distracted from what matters. I'm way off. What? Let's go to page three. What? 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 What should I share with others? What should I share with others? All right, I got two answers for you. My story and God's story. We've done a lot of training here at Longview Point about how to share the gospel, about how to share our testimony. And I'm going to tell you real quick so you just make sure you know, but I know that you've heard every bit of this before, but it's just good. And I'm going to encourage you tonight or tomorrow, sometime real soon, partner up, whether it's with a spouse or whether it's with a prayer partner or whether it's just with a family member or a friend or a mentor or whatever and practice these things so that we know that we are competent to share these things and that we can get more and more confident as we practice together with friends so that when we go out, it's a little bit more natural, if you will. My story, that's your testimony about how you came to Christ. Everybody has one. Jesus said, no one's going to enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. So there's got to be a time that we went from being dead to born again. And so at that time, think through. And man, you can do this. I learned the other day, you can tell a 15-second testimony. You're like, Trey, ain't no way you can do anything in 15 seconds. (laughs) Two words. Two words. Two words. My life before Christ. Characterized. By, I lost my two words. I had two words. 
Bondage. Bondage. I lost my word. <laughs> I, w- I didn't have joy. How would you say that? Give me a word for that. Huh? Hopelessness. Bondage and hopelessness. Thank you. And then my buddy came and shared the gospel with me. And Jesus has absolutely changed my life. And now I have freedom and hope. Boom. 15 seconds. If you can remember your word. (laughs) Your story should be how you were before coming to Christ, how you came to know Him, and how He is changing you. How is He changing you? Got to be changing you. It's called sanctification. God's story. There's so many good ways to share the gospel. I think the more we study the gospel, the more articulate we become. And, and, and you know what? It's, just, it's not based on our ability. I've told you before, there's been times where I preached. First time I ever preached at the jail, a man came forward and said, man, I don't understand anything you just said, but I know I need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what got to show him the gospel? God's story. I've got three verse, four verses that'll help you. Romans three twenty three, Romans chapter three verse twenty three. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans chapter six, verse twenty three. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans five eight. It's one of my favorite. I was trying to clean my life up and I figured out I couldn't get clean. My buddy Dusty said, man, you can't get clean enough to come to a holy God. And he quoted Romans 5 verse 8. God proves His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got clean, right where we were. Romans 5 8. And then last, Romans 10 9. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. What does that mean? To confess Him as our Lord. You're Lord and I'm not. I surrender. I repent. And to believe the Gospel. I believe the Gospel. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for the sins of the world, and rose again. I got one thing. Under Romans 10, 9, write a question mark. Just, write a little, just make a little question mark. That's going to remind you, it's not enough just to give the information but to call for them to make a decision. Why? Because it's easy to hear these things. It's not even that uncomfortable to tell somebody these things, but it's real uncomfortable to say, hey, what about you? Do you need to trust Christ today? Why is that important? It's not about just knowing. It's about surrendering to Him. So making sure we ask Him, do you want to surrender? So that's what you can say. Last thing, we're going to be done. When? I got some questions for you to write. When will you pray for the people on your list? When will you pray for the people on your list? It's got to be God. And can I just encourage you? There are people out there right now that God is is preparing pricking their hearts, drawing them to Himself. All we got to do is just share. 
the Word, share the Gospel. And they're ready, they're ripe. We don't know who they are. Sometimes they hide behind a grumpy looking face. And they're ripe. And they just need someone to come and share. That's who we're looking for, right? I've told you before, think about a red light, a yellow light, and a green light. There's a red light folks out there. They don't want to hear it, man. You knock on their door and they're like, didn't you see the no soliciting sign? Get off my porch, okay? Pray for you while I walk away. Come across some yellow light folks. They're not hard-hearted towards the gospel. They might even be willing to meet again and talk more, but they're not right. They're not just ready. Then you're going to come across some green lights. You keep on trying and you're going to find them. And when you do, it is going to excite you and you're going to, you just, you're going to want to do it more and more. The green light folks are ready. They know that they are broken. They know that they need a Savior. They don't know who He is. They don't know how to find Him. And God's sending you to them because He has prepared them and you have a divine appointment. And you share the gospel and they're like, yes. And you're like, what? And they're like, yes. Are you sure? Yes. I mean, I'm talking about this is a big decision. I want to do it. I'm talking about, are you positive that you want? I want to do it. It's like the Ethiopian eunuch. There's water. What's preventing me from getting baptized? Ready. They're there. They're there. How do I know? I was one. I was so hard-hearted. Invite me to church and see if I don't cuss you out. I ain't trying to be a hypocrite like all y'all folks. And God began to soften my heart, hearing the prayers of the people who were praying for me by name. My grandmother prayed for me for years. My parents praying for me. Dusty praying for me by name, just scared to death, but willing to come anyway. Had no idea that God was just softening my heart. Taking that heart of stone and making it a heart of flesh. And He shared the simple, simple, simple ABCs of salvation that Mitch, you're a sinner, believe in Christ and confess Jesus as Lord. And I could not hang up the phone fast enough to pour my heart out before Christ and ask Him to save me. My heart was ripe. I was a green light. They're out there. They might be on your list. You won't know till you try. When will you pray for the people on your list? Next, when will you share your story with someone on your list? When will you share your story with someone on your list? I want you to take this home and I want you to really think about it. First, you've got to make a list. And then you're going to decide, okay, every morning at 5 a.m., I'm praying for the people on my list. And every night before I go to sleep, I'm praying for the people on my list. And every, maybe every Friday, I'm going to skip a meal and I'm going to pray for the people on my list. But I want you to write down on here when you're going to pray for them. And then I want you to start thinking, okay, I see old Judy on, on Saturdays at the beauty parlor. I'm going to, pray. I'm going to try to talk to her on Saturday. Well, I, I see uh, my, my, my son on Friday, so I'm going to try to talk to him on Friday. I want you to be intentional. When am I going to share with people on my list? One more question. This is why you're writing all this down in case you're wondering. This is one of the main reasons. When will you train a fellow believer how to do this? When will you train... A fellow believer, how to share. 
And I want you to think about the people in your life. You're going to meet two types of people only. They're going to be able to be boiled down to these categories. Saved or lost. Y'all agree with that? Pretty simple, right? Told you. Put everything I know on that piece of paper. Simple. Lost people need the gospel. We need to share the gospel with them. Saved people need to be enlisted. So you meet somebody at the grocery store and you find out that they're a believer and you say, well, how are you making disciples? How are you sharing the gospel? When they start kind of kicking their feet and say, I don't really know. And be like, you know what? I can show you how. Let me give you the 411 on how to share the gospel. Let me teach you. And you got it right here. It's ready to go. Every one of you are able right now to train other people how to do this. Walk through Matthew 28 asking those seven questions. Look at Mark chapter 5 and talk about going to the relationships that God has given us. Making a list of people that those people need to share with. Praying for them. What do they say? Teaching them how to share my story and God's story. And then not letting them just slip by with some knowledge, but saying, let's put some feet to it. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Now here's my prayer for you. Praying that you're convicted. Praying that you're hopeful. Praying that you're a little bit excited. A little bit nervous, but a little bit excited. A little bit resolved to mean it when you say Jesus has all authority and be willing to do it. Hopeful that God would use you to draw people to Christ and hopeful that God would use you to encourage other believers to do it. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have all the right answers, but we do need to be obedient.